Megan. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on today. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me on. I have been wanting to be on your podcast for like ever. So this is a great day. I'm so excited. Okay. So what I want to go into a little bit first is, of course, your backstory. How did you get to where you are today? Um, What are some really key points that you believe have contributed to your journey and your purpose and your why? Yeah, so I um, I grew up in a kind of interesting household. My dad comes from a very, very large Hispanic family. So there's, there's a lot of us um, and we have just a lot of Native American blood running through, um, just running through our family. And so that is something that like my aunties and uh, a lot of my cousins and stuff really, really lean into. Like I remember um, we had a family reunion, I think back in May. No, it was actually last August. And everyone that did like they had Aztec dancers come in and a bunch of my cousins who actually went down to Mexico to learn how to do like the traditional Aztec dancing hopped in and did all of these dances with them. And like, it was just like one of the coolest, like most powerful things for me. Yeah. Um, but then my mom is just you know, a white, German, Danish, whatever woman. And her family is very Lutheran. And so growing up, I always had this like very like, I had this like really loud Hispanic side of the family that I would hang out with a lot. But then I really became interested in church when I was probably like nine or so, just because I really love the Lutheran ideology because they're very, very welcoming um, of all people. And so I started attending church really regularly. And I think that that has a lot to do with like how I feel that I am here to love and serve. Mm. Um, Just just like Jesus did. Like I am not necessarily the most religious person anymore, um, but I still identify with the Lutheran church. I still think that they're super awesome. They're very, very... um, they're very, very liberal in a lot of senses. Like I remember that they they had passed in their like bylaws or whatever it was that they allowed all LGBTQ people from that community that were welcome in our church and things like that. And there's this big quilt that's hanging in like the synod headquarters for America. And a lot of churches did not like that and ripped their squares out of the quilt and left our synod. Um, and so like, it was a really big thing, but like, that's like, that is the kind of church that I'm a part of, you know, and like, that is who I am. Mm -hmm. And so that had a really big, um, influence on my upbringing as well as being a part of this really large Hispanic family who has been a generation of activists since I can remember. Mm-hmm. They've fought for Chicano rights in Denver for for years and years and years. My grandpa worked for the city and would, was a part of different nonprofit boards and helped lead protests and like they did all sorts of really awesome stuff. Um, and so like I just like really like kind of combined like this like really like rebellious side of like fight the system with this like I'm here to love and serve like Jesus and like that's kind of how I um came to be like exactly where I am now I post about religion sometimes on my like Instagram and like uh, my social media feeds and things like that um but I always just talk about how like regardless of religion regardless of spirit 
spirituality, regardless of all of that. Like I'm here to love and serve like Jesus. And like, that is regardless of what the Bible says, that is regardless of anything else. Like I'm here to do that because that's what my soul says. Yes. Oh my God. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. That was, I never actually have never, um, learned about the Lutheran church. So that was really interesting for me because I've heard about it, but I haven't really um, looked into any other kind of religions other than what I was grown into or, you know, taught as a kid. Um, But other than that, as I got older, like it didn't interest me a whole lot. So I just think it's so cool and so interesting how everything is so different once you do kind of look at it outside of the box and, and I get to interview people like you. Like I learned so many new things and I think it's the coolest coolest part and I want to talk a little bit about your copywriting business and how did that come about how did you and you also have another organization that you run right yes I do I do I do okay so this all kind of started, I graduated school last December. So I have a um, bachelor's in political science and sociology. And I kind of decided to do that double major because I really wanted, I, I'm a big research nerd. Like I love it. It's like super awesome for me. And like, I really, really love to write, which is kind of where the copywriting comes in a little bit later. Um, but for me studying people and studying why they think the way that they think like politics and sociology go hand in hand they really really do um just because our characteristics as people our intersections as individuals are so intertwined with politics and everyone wants to try to say that they're not but they are Mm -hmm. and so having that like dual degree really really helped me um kind of just emerge into like even more of an activist than I was before um but so I graduated in December and then in January I was like I was just taking some time off I was gonna be a nanny until the end of the school year because that's kind of what I had signed up for and I loved my kiddos and I was like whatever um but I was like you know I'm kind of dreading going into like a nine to five and I have, I have a lot of thoughts about like nonprofits because like that's why I got my degrees in political science and sociology was so I could go work for nonprofits because I love the way that nonprofits work. I love their missions. I love that they are here to love and serve essentially. Um, I just take issue with some of some of it though because nonprofits sometimes are excuses to to be wasteful if mm-hmm. that makes sense because they don't have to comply with all of the same regulations as businesses and stuff mm-hmm. and so i've just seen at i've been working with nonprofits since i was a teenager and so i've seen a lot of inefficiency i've seen a lot of waste i've mm-hmm. seen just a lot of stuff and i've seen a lot of people who work for nonprofits get so burned out just like social workers because mm-hmm. they're working 40 hour weeks, which are really 60 hour weeks. They only get paid for those 40 hours. And I just, as much as I wanted to do that, I knew that my health, I have a lot of chronic illness and just like other stuff going on. Um, I knew that my health would not be forgiving to me if I, if I went into a nine to five that demanded so much of me. Um, 
And I also knew that like, I wouldn't be the best like dog mom. I wouldn't be the best girlfriend. Like I wouldn't be the best friend. Like I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be the person that I really wanted to be if I went into a nine to five. And so I like, just like, I started a blog. This is like where this all really started is I started a blog and I, um, my previous fitness coach who she now does like female entrepreneur coaching and whatnot. Her name is Courtney Blue. I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but she, yeah, I like asked her back in January. I was like, Hey, I was like, you run this kick-ass business. I was like, I want to start this blog. I was like, I have no idea like where it's really going to take me. I have no idea what's going on, but like, will you be my coach for a couple months and just like kind of help me like get all this set up and like running and whatnot. And so I worked with her for a couple months and then I stumbled upon a business coach in the society where we actually met up and um, I stumbled upon a business coach who was beta like beta testing one of her programs and um, she was like you know Megan I really think that you are being called to write and being called to like have a copywriting business she's like and i really just feel like this is something that you would be really good at and i think that you could be really successful mm-hmm. and so i was like okay you know what i was like if you think that this is something that i can do i was like i'm totally all in and so i jumped all in like head first like Mm kind of scary um (laughs) but I jumped in and I have been working on my business for probably like the last like six if not seven eight months and it's been super awesome it's been scary but awesome yeah I have loved watching your journey we literally met in an Instagram pod what was that like that was before you graduated that was I want to say like last semester, like an entire year ago almost. That it was a kind long of, time ago. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like that long, but I just remember like even when you were in school, I feel like you were kind of trying to explore that a little bit, but you didn't know it. You, you didn't know that you were doing that yet. Like it was just kind of a, oh, I want to, I feel like you knew you wanted to do it, but you didn't solidify it until after you had graduated. And it was just cool to see that transition. And it was like, oh, well, I thought she already knew she was doing that, but (laughs) it was just so awesome. Um, And you said you graduated with political science and sociology. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So why did you choose to go into like politics and stuff like that? Is it just, is it because of the activism? Is it because... Um, that was what most interested you or, um, you know, what was that? And you said you're going back to school also. So what are you, what does that look like for you? Yes. So, um, I think a really like big defining factor for me going into politics was my second semester of my senior year. Um, when I was in high school, I did this program, it's called senior field studies. There's like, I think maybe one or two other programs like it in the entire United States. Like it's a very, very rare, like very unique program. Um, but it's all about experiences. So instead of like sitting in a formal classroom, like I think we sat in the formal classroom and learned maybe like an hour every morning, Mm -hmm. but we went and did field trips every day. We went to small businesses and we, we did a 13 day backpacking trip. We went on a river rafting trip for a week. I lived on a farm for 10 days. Um, I did a community service project for two weeks. Like we literally got to do whatever we wanted, but they, my teachers were so 
so passionate about making us good citizens. Yeah. And that, like, I'd already been, like, pretty involved in the activism. Like, we've talked about this before, but, like, I remember my school board was very, very conservative, and they were trying to alter our AP U.S. curriculum, which was not even allowed in the first place. But they were trying to, like... um remove all instances of civil disobedience and so like they're trying to alter like civil rights education and just like all sorts of like other things i was like this is not okay and they were also trying to alter teacher pay to be based off of test scores which i don't agree with just because i don't think test scores are the best way to measure a child's intelligence and also like you can't prepare kids super well for state mandated testing and like there's so many other factors that go into that but like I just don't think our teachers pay should be based off of that because I just think that's so unfair and so myself and another student ended up actually leading a student walkout because a bunch of the other high schools in the district were doing it as well and we were trying to take a stand and so we did one as well um and so I had kind of already like gotten into that like activism being a good citizen like political side of everything um but after taking senior field studies I like really was just like solidified I'm like okay like I want to help other people be good citizens like I want to understand politics more like I want to help change the world Mm -hmm. because there's so much that there's so much in our system that we've just like left the way that it is because it works well enough mm-hmm. and no everyone is too lazy to change it yeah or everyone is too uncomfortable with the conversations in changing it and um i love that so much and i've never heard of field studies that is super cool i wish that i would have been introduced to something like that in high school um but yeah you're so right like the system is not functioning at its best right like and that's i think some people have opinions that you know it is and that's fine too but at the end of the day there's always room for improvement especially when you're dealing dealing with an entire country like or an entire state whatever that looks like or a city or whatever um, there is so much I, I see that needs to be changed. And I want to also go into that a little bit and the uncomfortable conversations that no one wants to have. No one wants to talk about. People want to stay comfortable. They know that there's injustice. They know that there's privilege and things like that, which is what I learned about in sociology, which I had no clue about any of this. Um, I was just raised in, in a family where we didn't, I wasn't introduced to it at all. So I want to have that uncomfortable conversation. Um, so everyone can kind of hear and maybe be enlightened a little bit on this, um, about privilege and about the injustice and the things that, you know, you want to change and I want to change as well. And we're going to be doing a project together and changing a couple of things, but let's go into that. Um, where did this, so I don't know how to like (laughs) ask this, but where did you like wake up? I know you grew up in a family that already kind of introduced it to you. But when in your like adolescence or in your adulthood were you literally like, okay, I'm fucking changing this. And also what were the specific, very specific movements that you're really passionate about? 
So I think for me, I've always been, like I said, I've always been just like a servant. Like I've always just been like very, um, I just know my purpose is to serve. And so like, I literally have always been doing things like this Mm -hmm. for a really long time. Like I remember um, from the time I was 10 until like I was probably like 18, I would help with like, um, it's like families of promise or whatever it is here in Denver, but it's a like initiative that helps homeless families move from church to church. They stay at a church for a week. And so like when they'd stay at our church, we'd set up their beds, we'd make all their rooms for them. We'd get all the toys out for the kids and stuff. And we'd make meals for them every night. And we'd have classes for them. And I'd babysit the kids so the parents could go to the classes. And like, I would just do stuff like that. And so once I entered college and I was like really passionate about all of these politics and stuff, um, I met some, I met like literally all of my best friends in college. Like they're so amazing. Um, but I just remember there was like this like group of girls that were in political science as well. And like, I was going through sorority recruitment actually. Oh, wow. And so I, cause I went to a really small school in Kansas. And so I was like, I think I need to go through sorority recruitment. I think it might help me make friends. Like, cause I was just really worried about that. And so I ended up going through sorority recruitment and I met this girl named Vivian and Vivian is one of my dearest friends. I love her very much. Um, she was in a different sorority than I was in, but she works for this initiative on campus called the American democracy project. And it was just basically, they have an overall national organization, but they have chapters of the American Democracy Project on college campuses throughout the United States. And it's all about um, getting students civically engaged in politics and like in their communities in nonpartisan ways. And so she ended up approaching me and she was like, hey, she's like, my partner is about to graduate and leave. She's like, I think you would be really great for this job. She's like, I want to introduce you to my boss. Like, I think he would love you. I think that you should come work with me. Wow. And so I, I know it was like, it was literally like the stars aligned. And that job was probably one of the best jobs that I've ever had in my entire life. Like mm-hmm. I did voter registration drives. I planned um, debates between like local like representatives that were running and things like that. Um, we did a ton of election coverage. And so we have events like showing the, um, the debates between Clinton and Trump when we provide pizza for everyone and we'd have games and we had like an election night like watch party and we had pizza and games and stuff for that and like we also held these things called times talks and so it was like if any students or professors had a topic that they wanted to talk about over the lunch hour we would provide pizza for them to do it in the library and so there was talks about like LGBTQ protections in the workplace Mm -hmm. and like stigmas around that and whatnot and me and Vivian actually had a really good conversation after that talk after that talk because she was like the presenter I can't remember her name right now but the presenter was like you know a lot of people everyone thinks in a very heteronormative state Mm -hmm. and Vivian was like that's so true I saw a picture of her and her wife on her desk and I thought that was just like her sister or something not her wife and so like i had all of these like really eye-opening talks coming at me every week that i was planning that i had to be a part of Mm. and so 
that was really amazing for me. And then I also had um, a friend who was working on the Hillary Clinton campaign as a fellow. And so I went with her to Iowa to do like primary caucusing. Mm-hmm. And that was really powerful wow. and really amazing too, just to like get really involved in the political process. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, so I've just like, ADP, I think is really like where it solidified for me that I want to be, um, I want to change the world. Like I just like, and I see, I see a lot of issues and going to school at a very like small school in Western Kansas, where the majority of people come from small towns around there. Mm -hmm. Um, students of color do come because there is like a pretty large Hispanic population from there. But like a lot of the black students are there because they're on the sports teams. Mm. Are there foreign exchange students? And so like trying to shift the culture a little bit to create a more inclusive and accepting um, culture is also kind of part of our job. And so it was just, it was very interesting to deal with all of that. And I was like, you know, I was like, if I am able to do this at this small ass school in Western Kansas, like I can, I can change the world. Like Mm -hmm. I can do it. Um, and so that's kind of where my other organization that we talked a little bit about earlier, Civis was born from, uh, my goal is to be a crowdfunded think tank for millennials and Gen Z. And so I don't want us to ever be funded by some corporation that's owned by someone that's twice our age. I want us to be funded by us for us, um, to come up with nonpartisan policy solutions to the issues that we face in the world today. So, wow. I just love all of that. And that is the coolest experience that you got to have. And also how old were you? I was like 18, 19, 20 when I did all of this. Yeah. And I think that that is just so amazing. There aren't, for the most part that I, have met as far as like millennials and there's like this group of people like you that are so gung-ho and like doing it and then there's this group of people who are like I don't care I don't want to have anything to do with it I don't want to learn about it or watch the news or whatever you know and we need to at least have some kind of middle because we have to be the people doing it we have to be the people in the midst of it and I truly believe that and I was not a believer of that like a couple years ago I was the person sitting back and going you know I don't want to be in the middle of it because it it's just too much I I don't want to have the anxiety about it I don't want to be in the middle of it I don't want to be fighting with people and arguing with people and you know justifying what I believe I just want to stay out of it and the more that I wanted to do that, the more that I got pulled in the opposite direction. And it was like all of the time it was coming up and I had these beliefs, right? And I had these thoughts, but every time I was around a group of people that I was just like, oh my God, how do you, how are you thinking like that? Like (laughs) that was sometimes my, my process. And I'm like, how can people actually go through with um you know thinking there's no injustice and that racism doesn't exist and like sexism doesn't exist and um like just all of the there's so much 
there's so much injustice. Like I can't name all of them because there's so many. And um, that's just a result of us sitting back and doing nothing for so many years and not wanting to come forward or it's not like people haven't been, it's just not enough people have been. And because there's, I just listened to, oh, it was the podcast that you introduced to me, the true crime or crime junkies, whatever it's called. I was listening to one about a woman who she was like super, um, you know, feminist back in the day. And it was literally like 60s, 70s, like in the middle of it. And she, um, her kids went missing and the cops like wanted to blame it on her and send her to jail for it. But they, at the end of the day, they, they truly couldn't get the proof, but they were so focused on putting her in jail because they all hated her for being a feminist. Like that's how, and she couldn't get around it. Like there was no way for her to prove that she didn't do it, but there was also no way for them to prove that she did, but they were kind of, you know, going behind the scenes, making like the medical examiner change his time on things and like all kinds of shady shit. And I know exactly what episode you're talking about because I listened to all of them. Did you, did you have the same thoughts on that too? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and then you think about like that happens with like just like with feminism. And then you think about like what happens with people of color in our country Mm -hmm. and like what happens when their kids go missing Mm -hmm. or when their loved one goes missing or when something bad happens to someone in their family. How fucking seriously is law enforcement taking it? Yeah. And seeing how law enforcement treats people of color in this country. So like, truthfully, I don't blame anyone for not wanting to trust them. Well, and there was also an episode about the women that were going missing in the army across. Yeah. Like overseas. And they were basically trying to say that these women, women of color, they were killing themselves. They were setting it up to make it look like they committed suicide when there was obvious proof that they didn't. And if there was um, rape and there was all kinds of things that they had done. Um, I think one of them even said they were shot up with Windex. Like what? Why? Why do people do like crazy things like that? But my point is that it was completely like the, the government was literally protecting the army for doing these things. And they were like hiding um, recordings, they were hiding clothing, pieces of evidence, like all kinds of stuff. And they wouldn't let the family, the family knew, like they just knew. And I think when things like that happen, you instinctively know and you can feel it, but it was just so many lies and so much like carelessness about these women and it just blew my mind how how that's possible. How can that be possible? Well, and so to circle back to a point that we had earlier, we were talking about how the system is like broken and whatnot, you know? But like, truthfully, I hear this from a lot of people and I actually really agree and I resonate with it. And a lot of people of color and a lot of women of color especially say this. And so like, I want to credit them where their credit is due. Um, But that the system has literally, this is how the system has been designed to work. It's been working like this since the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. Like this is how it was designed to work. So it's actually not broken. 
it's just fucked. Yeah. Like, it's just not a good system. Yeah. Like, we set it up, like, the, the settlers set it up this way so that they could protect perpetrators. They could protect the patriarchy. They could protect whiteness. They could protect all of these things mm-hmm. because they knew that's, that's how they would stay in power. Wow. And so, like, it's not that the system is broken. It's that it has been set up in such a way to keep everyone else's voices so small that mm-hmm. they're powerless. Yeah, and there's been so many generations since it's been set up that um, people can't see how it could possibly be set up wrong because it's all that they know. And generally, generationally, like all we know is power and all we know is being ahead and all we know is actually injustice, but white people don't think it's injustice. They just think that it's normal. And, oh no, they just think it's the way of the world. Right. And that is, you know, and I have my spiritual theories on this and all kinds of different like thoughts on it, but it's like it's not going to change unless the white people are changing it because we made it that way. And I truly believe this. And I I didn't I'm telling you I was one of those people who I was like, "What? I'm not racist, so it doesn't exist." I'm not sexist, so it doesn't exist. I am not, um, you know, homophobic, so it doesn't exist. And it's like, just because you think that you're not, doesn't mean it's not happening around you and that you don't have a responsibility to help and to change it. And wow, I'm getting like so fired up about it because it just pisses me off. I can't stand to be in the middle of those um, conversations and you're trying to basically inform someone or enlighten them and they just don't care and they just don't see it. But it's like, you know, I think about it and I'm, I'm like, how many people are like me where they didn't believe it before, but they, they, they get to a point where they do that they know and they're trying to change it. And I just want to know like how many of those people exist because if I can figure out like how, what actually changed it for me, whatever, whatever it was that actually clicked, like maybe I can, um, spread that message and plant that seed for the other people who truly don't see it. Um, but I think that's why like you and I are working on a big project together to really, really start incorporating, planting those seeds and to start, um, I guess informing people and enlightening people on it and not, um, you know, I see a lot of stuff online that's like so angry and I get like having to be stern about things and say like, this is it, this is what's going on. But there's also a lot of hate around it and a lot of like, fuck you, you're wrong and this and that. Um, and I think there's a time and a place for it. I truly do. Um, what, what is it for you that you're seeing around the online space or even, um, you know, anywhere that you're like, okay, we're going at this the wrong way. Let's try this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think honestly, one of our biggest problems as white people is that we, especially as like 
white women activists, we want to separate ourselves from the other white people. We want to be like, okay, yeah, I'm white, but I'm not like those white people. Don't group me in with those white people. Okay, yeah, you know what? Maybe you're not like them, but you still share the same skin color and you still share the same privileges. And so how can we meet at the same table and talk about it in a way that where you don't think that you're better than someone? Because I think that's like where we're running into a lot of problems is that there's this like power structure within whiteness now of like okay well i'm a woke white person and you're not so i'm inherently better than you and like that's not that's not how you reach people you know yeah because like no matter how fucking woke you are no matter how much knowledge you have you are still going to mess up and there is still more for you to fucking learn Uh i mess up all the time I literally like even being like from a Hispanic culture like I'm still a white passing woman and like I have I I make a lot of mistakes and like it is something that I have had to learn to accept and learn to just be really good at apologizing and educating myself Mm -hmm. because I think the other thing that we are really um starting to kind of come into issues with is that we are relying on people of color and specifically women of color to educate us when that's not their fucking job like a lot of them do it for free on the internet because it's in from the kindness of their hearts because they want safer communities for black people Mm -hmm. like that is what they do because they want safer communities for the people that look like them and like that is so awesome but like I see so many white people and especially white women encroaching on their spaces, asking for free education when Google is literally an infinite resource. There are libraries, there are plenty of books that you could be reading to figure this out on your own. Like, I think that it's, it's one of these things where we need to stop pretending like as white people, we can separate from one another. Mm -hmm. You're all one in the same. We all have to kind of take responsibility. Like just because I have different opinions than you does not mean that I am better than you. It just means that I have the responsibility to help enlighten you. Mm -hmm. And And we need to start taking on the responsibility of educating ourselves. Yeah, I agree. And it also, like you were saying, just because I have different beliefs or different opinions than you doesn't mean that I'm better than you. It literally just means like we have different beliefs and we have different opinions. Like that's all it means. And um, you know, this is a concept that I have just really started to, I guess, embody in the last few months because of my spiritual journey. And then I truly believe that like, for me, it was a lot of that that opened my mind up to all of the injustice. Um, for some reason it, it went hand in hand for me and it clicked and I was like, why the fuck is all of this happening? It was just as soon as I kind of woke up, I guess I really did start to see through all of the bullshit. And I, of course, at first, like I was like, oh my gosh, like I know more, I'm more spiritual. I, this, I, that, and, um, you know, I can admit to that. And I, and I saw that so much in myself. And that was just, it's, I think the ego that comes with every up level, there's always going to be like a new layer or a new, um, identity of ego that you have to shed and that you have to literally resist through. And, um, 
I, I see so much of that in the spiritual community where it's like, I know more about this, so that means that you don't know shit and I'm better. And that's also the same thing within all of these movements and all of these, um, you know, political, um, just everything that's happening. There's so much going on, but it's so hard sometimes to not treat someone like they're stupid when you truly think that they're stupid <laughs> because of the things that they believe. Like, I'm just gonna be honest about that. I'm like, how can you think that? You know, sometimes that's the, the process, but at some point, I thought that. At some point, I was there too, and I think everyone does have the dignity of their own process and their own, um, you know, journey. But all at the same time, we can still enlighten people with love and not with patronizing them, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think a big part of it, too, is that when we have these conversations, especially with white people, and especially when you're like, I don't want to talk to you like you're stupid, but like, oh, my fucking God, like, you yes. sound so stupid right now. Like, yes. it's one of those things where, like, when you do approach conversations like that and you're talking to people like that, there's a lot of fragility around around those like white fragility is totally a thing like white people are very very fragile about their beliefs and their belief structures and whether or not they are privileged yeah like if yeah. you have ever talked to a white man about whether or not he is privileged there is a probably nine out of ten chance that he's he been very defensive about it yeah. and very like and that's his fucking white fragility showing and so it's just one of those things where like it's really difficult because there's so many different aspects of this that are all like kind of like clumping together like it's patriarchy and whiteness and fragility and um like just like all of these oppressive belief structures that have literally been combined over what now two three hundred years since the united states has been founded that's what we were founded upon mm -hmm. and so how do you fucking break down these walls without pretending like you're better than someone else yeah and it's really it's hard to like look at um when we were founded and the the it's sad like it, it actually makes me want to cry um just how it was established and founded on um there was still a lot of i mean we've definitely made progress since then a lot of progress because considering like literally like remember back to george washington days like shit was not good then and I just can't believe that every year you know what it, it should be like every year we should reevaluate okay is this working have some like um voting done in that way is that is that a thing like I I just think that it's insane. I wish same I, I wish because that would be so much more simple because like I used to have this conversation actually about the electoral college with a lot of people when I was in college um, about how like the electoral college system is pretty outdated and it is something that not a lot like not not a ton of Americans agree with it. I mean, we're maybe split 50 50 maybe 60 40. Um, but like not a lot of people agree with it and a lot of politicians don't even really like it either. But the thing is, is that when the founders set up this country, they set it up so intricately and 
So you have to go through all of these steps of bureaucracy and go through all of these loops and holes and go through this and go through that and do this to change that. That like nothing, change is never quick. Change is never right. quick within government. And so people want to change the electoral college, but no one wants to actually sit down and do what it takes to make the change because it's so fucking hard mm -hmm. because there's literally a thousand hoops you have to jump through. Mm -hmm. And so like really, our government is set up on this like base of intricacies that keep us from moving forward almost. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I just think it's insane. I'm just still like mind blown by all of it and just that we're even having to talk about it. Um, Cause it just seems like common sense to me. Like if there's injustice, we need to we need to fix it, but you know, it's not, it's considering like what we just talked about and how it was founded and like all of that, it's just, it's gonna take longer. And um, it's just, uh, did you hear the other day on the skim, they're talking about lead in, um, in the water in New Jersey. They were saying that it could take almost 200 years just to fix the lead actually being in in this country like all around the states and so imagine how long it will take to actually put laws and things in place with the government so oh well especially when you know we have a president like trump who's trying to repeal the like clean water and yeah. air acts and so like we already have shitty water and shitty air like let's go ahead and just fucking make it worse why don't we like there are kids literally getting lead poisoning and having health difficulties because of the lead in our water right now like we don't need less regulation we need more yeah absolutely and lead is like one of the worst <laughs> one of the worst things because it's like a silent silent killer so there's that um well, thank you so much for having this conversation with me today and just being able to lovingly enlighten people and be a servant. Literally just love everything that you've done. Thank you so much for just being who you are and being an amazing friend, being an amazing citizen. I can't wait to, you know, see where all of our projects take us. And um, yeah, everyone look out for October because Megan and I are going to be coming out with a super awesome project and we can't wait to launch that. Yeah, I'm so excited. I'm so thankful for your friendship. You've actually become like my business bestie, which is like the best thing ever because I did not have one for the longest time. And I was like, <laughs> just floating around in space here doing my thing and I have no Same. idea what's going on. And so it's been so nice to like have someone to talk to you about all of these like really deep things who also cares about like accessibility and business and using their platform as a voice for change and things like that. Cause we, we have a lot of talks about that, about how there's not enough business owners out there who advocate for change. Yes. And we'll be having a lot of those conversations on our new project. So all right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Megan, for being here. And we will see you in the next episode.